right, welcome into episode 60 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast, alongside special guest Jamie Eisner, who is back. Yes, the whole world has changed. The whole world, in more ways (laughs) than one, has changed since the last time I've been on this podcast. When was the last time you were on this podcast? 1973, actually, so... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks were going to stay in the Cup last time I was on. <laughs> oh, so it was 1995. Uh, covered in ranch avocado, Craig Morgan standing oh, to my right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. The worst part is I didn't have a napkin to wipe myself after I did well, get a stain on my shirt. Poor planning on your part. Somebody's pretty wasteful in this room. I'm not going to say who. And, uh, 17 well, napkins in the trash. <laughs> 16 of them unused. Well-dressed and prepared for the show. I'm Luke Lipinski. So here we go. Episode uh, 60 is upon us. Gentlemen, are you excited? We've, episode 60 is a nice round number. I feel like we all should have got each other something nice for this podcast. I feel like we need to use a better term than excited because it gets used way too often. I, I don't even know what it means anymore, Luke. Is Craig, Craig uh, as we established last week, likes to use words that are above our intelligence level, like compunction and enthralled veneer and Vasilevsky, I think you said, too. Or no, wait, that was my big word of the day. Happens to play goalie for Tampa Bay. Uh, Jamie, how are you doing over there? You ready to go? Yeah, I'm, you just, look- I'm just trying to wrap my head around the breaking news story for the Texas Rangers that might be the strangest story of... Well, you like may have all time. Stranger no, than yeah. Rumble Ponies? Yeah, no, stranger than know. Rumble Ponies. Uh, it's not, not in a good way either. It's, it's bad and strange. Yeah. Uh, according to a Jeff Passan report on Yahoo, Rangers prospect questions for allegedly sexually assaulting underage teammate in a hazing incident. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, that, Things uh, are going great in the, the wide world of sports. Uh, That's why we're going to stick uh, with hockey today. Yeah. Episode 60 is the, uh, as Jamie pointed out before the show, the Nicholas Troitley episode. That's beautiful. <laughs> if you want to go with current players, it's with the proper pronunciation. Marcus yeah. Granlund episode. So, we start with uh we'll start with Dylan Strome. Craig, you and I talked about this extensively last week and there's been a twist to the story at this point. A twist. There's also a, a giant dog walking around outside the uh There is a giant podcast dog. window. It's an ever-growing dog. He, he looks very it's happy. It's not the dog that was left out in the rain though. No, no, it's no. not. That was Jamie. Oh, also, uh, Jamie, I feel like I need to catch you up. The listeners probably know this, but uh, Craig has a tendency to quote Barbara Streisand now on the podcast. This is, um, and I guess I would just assume in real life he does it as well, but I just haven't noticed it because I don't really pay attention in real life. It's just simply on the show, but just be prepared for that. I'll work it in. Dylan Strome. Very smooth. Like I said, uh, the world has changed. A whole bunch. Is going to... uh, I've lost my innocence since the last time I was on the podcast. The whole whole different world. Oh. It's a different Jamie. (laughs) No, same bad jokes. How about you guys just talk and I'll paint the picture. Craig is looking at Jamie with utter disgust at the moment. I would call it utter disgust. Some sort of disgust. You were definitely looking down on him. How's that? Well, how's it different? I'm I'm standing. He's sitting. That's fair. Okay. Anyway, I'll try this for the seventieth time. Dylan Strom is now with the uh, Erie Otters of the OHL, and Craig and I discussed this at length last week. But we can get Jamie's. Uh, opinion on this as well, and now, like I said, the story has changed, because last week, Dylan Strom, really two days ago, Dylan Strom was still with the Arizona Coyotes, now he's in the OHL, uh, we just actually talked to Dave Tippett a couple hours ago, Craig, I will tell you this, I walked out of the press conference this morning feeling better about Dylan Strom's situation with the Coyotes than I did maybe 24 hours ago. Yeah, and I think that's a product of listening to Dave Tippett, and listening to Good analysis rather than, you know, reaction. You know, you're getting a lot of reaction from fans now that Dylan Strom's on his way back to the juniors, panicking. Oh, my God, he's not going to pan out. He's not going to be their franchise center. Well, 
That still may be true. We don't know yet. But again, he's 19 years old. And, and the points Tippett made today that I think stand out. First off, the biggest reason he went back, he's not physically ready for it. His body needs to mature more. That often happens with a 19-year-old trying to make it in the NHL. Now, I noted to Dave Tippett that they knew that coming in. They knew he wasn't physically there, but they wanted to put him in these situations, see how he would react. But just as importantly, and, and Tip stressed this, he gained so much from this six weeks or whatever it was being up here, really just a sense of what it takes to play at this level, not just on the ice, but in terms of preparation, nutrition, like the mental aspects of the game, everything. He's gaining an understanding of it. Dylan Strom's not ready to play in the NHL right now. The team knows it, and Dylan Strom knows it. But the the other thing that Tip said today, and and, and I got this echoed by other people, uh, Shane Doan in particular, he left with a really good attitude. He understands it. He, Dylan Strom knows himself that he's not ready to play in the NHL, but he has this to-do list of things to work on, including you know building up his body. He knows what it takes now. He's going to go back with a sort of roadmap to juniors, and now we can go play in some games, get some confidence again, and, and we'll see what he can do next year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing coming out of that, because we've, we've been going back and forth on this, as I'm sure the Coyotes have really for a while, and we've talked about it on the show, what's, what's going to happen? Does he get, does he, is there any value to him going back to junior and dominating and potentially you know, being forced into situations where he could learn bad habits again, that he's, uh, that he's already kind of started to get out of his system up here at the NHL level? So... You know, there's the thought of, do you send him back to junior and risk that, or do you just keep him up here and, and he doesn't play most nights? That Either way, you're essentially running the risk of wasting a year of his development. And I would make the case, one of the most important years of his development. So for them to send him down, my very first reaction was, how does a player that has grown up with these expectations, playing up near the, the hockey center of the universe and, and being talked up as the third pick, the, the draft that Connor McDavid and, and Jack Eichel came out of, and he's good friends with Connor McDavid, and there's all these expectations, how is he going to handle going back again while Mitch Marner's going off in Toronto and some of those other players that were drafted around him are doing well? But to hear Dave Tippett you know, point at stress the fact that Dylan Strom was very receptive to this and he has specific NHL things to work on at the junior level. And just that sort of, the, the skill set is there, and he is still just 19. The stuff that it sounds like he needs to sort of evolve his game with is stuff that can be taught. And so I think that should be encouraging for Coyotes fans. And also the simple fact, that, and Dave Tippett pointed this out as well, I think it's a great point. He's going to go there, he's going to play for Canada in the World Junior Championships. That did wonders for Max Domi. They're not the same player, but... He's going to go play for Canada in that scenario where that tournament is this year. He's going to face a ton of pressure there. And the bottom line is he needs to be able to play. He can't just sit and watch. Yeah, and that's at some point they had to come to that realization. I think maybe they knew it a little earlier, but they were they were just waiting on this decision for whatever reason. We're probably not going to get all those answers. Well, but the, and the he point, got something out of being there. Too. Yeah, and that's the thing. If they had sent him back early in the season... He still doesn't understand what it takes to be an NHL player. So he goes back to juniors and, okay, I just revert into who I was to be successful. Well, he's not going to do that now. He's going to go back and apply what he needs to do to get to the next level. He's not going to play the way he did before. So that's really valuable for him at this point. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point because it's obvious. A lot of times you can see what happens during a game. You can see, oh, he's playing the night he scratched again. But it's that practice time. It's the stuff in the arena, talking to the veterans, being able to ask questions, being able to work on his skating, being able to work on those areas of the game. 
that are impactful. So he did learn a ton uh, from being up. And even if he's not ready to play a full season, it's not the end of the world. They need to, they need him at his best, whatever that best is. And it's going to be like that. He's not going to be there this year at the NHL level. So he's going to have to go back and take what he's learned, try to apply it at a level he's had success at before, and see if he can be even better than he was. Yeah, and to stress something you said too, Luke, Dave Tippett, you know, that again, the, the panic with the fans will be uh, he's not going to be the guy that we thought he was going to be. I, I pressed Dave Tippett really hard on this today, and he is not concerned with Dylan Strom's skill level. He's not concerned with his hands or his ability to think the game. Obviously, he needs to think it at a faster pace, at an NHL pace, and that's part of this process, but he's not worried about any of that stuff. His biggest concern is Dylan Strom doesn't have the leg strength right now. He doesn't, you know, it, and maybe that impacts his skating a little bit, although I don't think the Coyotes think he's ever going to be a great skater, and they're okay with that. But it's impacting him in traffic, impacting him in the corners, a lot of things that they're seeing. He just needs to get stronger, more physically mature, but they're not worried. He's really not worried about his skill level. He thinks that's there. And that's great to hear because anybody that has interacted with Dave Tippett or follows the Coyotes closely knows that that he's not somebody that's just going to spin things Mm -hmm. for the positive spin. He's very straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) Right after the arena announcement? (laughs) Yes. So maybe that's putting it mildly. Dave Tippett's not going to sugarcoat something. He's going to tell you the way it is. And so when you you hear that they like his skill set around the net and just the, the hands and his hockey instincts, maybe he's not thinking at NHL speed just yet. But again, this is where I will point back to the fact that he's only 19. If we're having this conversation in three years, okay, then be concerned. And also, get it out of your head that he's Connor McDavid. Nobody ever said he was, just because they were teammates and they were both taken in the top three of, of that draft. There aren't any other Connor McDavid's around the league, really. So he doesn't have to be that, and he doesn't have to be in the NHL at 19 to still be a good pick. But if the biggest concern they have is build up your leg strength, you can do that. Jamie could go out and build up his leg strength if he knew that's all he had to do. I don't know about that. Let's not get carried I mean, he obviously doesn't have the other 50 boxes that Dylan Strom checks. I just, to hear that sort of... I'm a terrible skater. (laughs) To hear that, well, you could work on it. To hear that sort of optimism uh, should be music to the ears of Coyotes fans. And, you know, like Jamie said, it's not like he's just going back to to junior and just going to have another 100-point season or whatever. He's got specific things he's going to work on, and the Coyotes have a developmental staff that's going to keep checking in with him to make sure he's doing it. The last time I talked to Dylan Strome was probably about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and he had the right attitude then, and he has said, you know, if I have to go back, I don't want to, but there's stuff I can accomplish. I was interested to hear if his attitude had changed once he actually got sent down, and it doesn't seem like it has. And he... You know, he's, he, he's a student of this game. At this point, we have to take the Coyotes' word for it because we haven't spoken to Dylan Strom. He's on his way back, but ho- hopefully get to catch up with him soon. But, you know, you got to believe that, that he is on board with this, I'm that sure he, he understands. Wasn't excited, yeah, right? it's, exactly. You're, ne- you're never excited. You want to be able to play. But the, the, it was really apparent that he wasn't ready, and, and anybody who's being with honest, honest with themselves as a player recognizes that. So now he, he knows what he needs to work on, and he can hopefully go back and do it. And he didn't just, you know, this was brought up today too, he wasn't just trying to hang on and just, just so he could say he was in the NHL this year, playing every couple games and not really making an impact. He's going to hopefully go back and then be that much better next year, as the Coyotes have seen with Max Domi in the past. That's their best example I'm sure they could point to and say, we sent him down twice and look what he did. They're not the same player. I keep saying that. They're very different styles of player, but it's the same mindset you have to have as a 19-year-old going back to a league that you've already dominated. In Dylan Strom's case, for years and years and years, he, it's not like he was only there for one year. This is, what, his fourth OHL season? So that's uh, something to keep an eye on with the Coyotes, but now not until next season. He's not going to be 
There's there's no bouncing around. Once you're in the OHL, you're in the OHL. No, and their center positions now pretty much set. I mean, you've got Martin Hansel. Brad Richardson's out for a long time, maybe this season. So you got Martin Hansel. I, I think it's safe to say that Jordan Martinuk is going to stay at center, especially because he's played well there. And then you've got Christian Dvorak and Lauren Dauphin. So maybe Tyler Godet sees some time coming up from Tucson, but your center rotation is pretty much set now for this team, and that was a big question for all of training camp and really the first quarter of the season, what it was going to look like, how it was going to pan out. And, you know, you, you touched on Brad Richardson. We probably should jump into that right here, too. He suffers a, a real, real bad-looking injury last week, and <laughs> similar, actually, to what Mika Zibanejad suffered mm. in New York, which is crazy that they would both go through that in the same uh, span of, what, four or five days. But for Richardson, that was obviously tough for the, uh, the Coyotes emotionally in their game on Thursday night against Vancouver. But also, you know, to your point, Craig, your center rotation is probably set. It's a lot of young players. The Coyotes were already thin up the middle in terms of veterans. They've got upside up the middle. But when you have upside, you tend to lose face-offs up the middle. And now they're really reliant on Martin Hansel and those other guys learning the tendencies of the guys they're facing off against at the highest level of the game very quickly. How yeah. much upside do you think they have at center? I mean, that's... Don't again, know it's, it's so early in, in careers, but you're, you, you, you know we've talked on the show and articles ad nauseum about how the Coyotes need a number one center. Everybody needs a number one center. We talk about is a team can can a team truly compete for a cup without it? And it's been a point we've asked a lot of reporters that have been on the show in the off season. You know they, they're going to need some help down the middle, and they have a lot of young guys, but they haven't had a lot of guys that have really made an impact yet. Again, it's still early, but. You know, I don't know if they're as set down the middle as maybe we thought they were even six months ago. Can never have enough centers. I, I would not be surprised, you know, depending where they finish. Right now, it's it's not trending in a good direction for where the Coyotes finish in the NHL standings. But Hey, points in three straight. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they went after another center in this draft. Especially because their, their blue line, by the way, is really trending in a nice direction. With the emergence of Jeff, uh, well, I almost said Jeff Chikrin. Jacob Chikrin and yeah. Anthony D'Angelo. That, that's true. The blue line, you know, a year ago at this time, or whatever, six months ago at this time, was not only an issue at the NHL level, but probably even a bigger issue in the uh, in the prospect level. And that was obviously their main point of emphasis last summer, and they addressed it very quickly. Alex Goligoski, I feel like, has been playing better lately. He kind of got off to a slow start with the Cowboys this year, which was surprising. But he's been better lately. And then for guys like Chikrin and D'Angelo, to not just be there to, to replenish the farm system, but to instantly step in and make pretty major contributions. We've talked about Chikrin on the show in the past, but Anthony D'Angelo has been pretty impressive out there on the ice. And you can see now why he was, based on most publications, Tampa Bay's top prospect when they traded him to the Coyotes this summer. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's really, it's interesting. You know, that blue line is so incredibly intriguing because they don't have a lot of pieces uh, in their system, but they brought in D'Angelo. They obviously drafted Chitron. You know, it, it's... I, I don't think they have an issue in their bottom two pairings going forward with all the young guys, but they're still missing that key piece that they need, which we've, again, it's a... Take, take a Kevin Chattenkirk. Take another shot of all the things we've been saying for a year now, but they, they need someone to play alongside Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Now more than ever. The trade, trade deadline's getting closer, isn't it? Every day. Technically, it is getting closer. Memo also, to Doug Armstrong. The yeah, trade deadline is getting away. closer, and your value is dropping. Do you think it is for Shattenkirk? Do you yes, think I it do. drops as they get closer? Or I goes think up? It, it automatically drops at the trade deadline because when you're talking about playoff contenders, if it's playoff contenders that you're looking to deal with, 
they don't want to give up existing NHL pieces because they're making a cup run. So you can't afford to give up key pieces off your roster if you're making a run for the for the cup. Now they could give up prospects, they could give up top prospects, and that then teams that are out of, the, out of it. Yeah. But yeah, St. Yeah, exactly. St. Louis still thinks it. Yeah, I, mean, I could see them. I can't see them actually. I, I would be really surprised if they decided to hang on to Kevin Shattenkirk past the deadline and said, "Okay, we're going to make a, a run at a cup." You, you better win it at that point because if Kevin Shattenkirk is walking away for nothing at the end of the season. You're going to be crushed for that. You're absolutely going to be crushed for that, and you should be. Absolutely because you can't be. give away a top four right-handed defenseman for nothing. Yeah, and I, I would jump in and say this is not the same as the Stamco situation last year in Tampa Bay where they were hopeful they would get him back, but they were willing to roll the dice and try and win the cup. And as it turns out, they didn't win the cup, but they got him back. Shattenkirk's not coming back. They don't have the money to pay him. So he's not going to be on the St. Louis Blues next year unless something radical happens. And if that's the case... Yeah, I think if you keep him, you better at least be playing in the Stanley Cup. And even then, you know, that's tough to sell to your fans. All right, this guy just walked away. By the way, he's having an excellent season this year, too. Yeah, he's increasing his value. There's a lot of interest in him, understandably. I I can't see how you let an asset like that walk for nothing. Yeah, again, I I don't think he should wait until the trade deadline. I I still think you need to make that move. And you you also have to give your team, you have to give your team time to adjust to that loss, right? Yeah. You, do, you go doing it in the spring, or I know the trade deadline's not quite the spring. It, it is in Arizona, of course. Well, tomorrow is spring in Arizona. <laughs> right. It's the last right. day of winter. Right. But, you I know, know you, guys, you it need some rained time today. to adjust it to did. that. That's true. kind of rained today. Like, the weather wasn't perfect, so. This is also yeah. the first day of winter. Yeah. Today so. is winter. <laughs> <sighs> Tomorrow's uh, going to be so- 70 and sunny, though. Yeah. So, so get ready for spring training. I'm not sure where we're going with that segue. So I'm going to leave it up to the Blue because he always knows. Shattenkirk's number two on the Blues in to- total points with 14. Number two Crazy, in assists huh? with 10. Crazy. He's been their best defenseman. That makes it harder to trade him, too, doesn't it? Because you're like, jeez, eh, he's really sparking our offense. Yeah. But like you said, this is a team that's second in the Central. If you know you're going to trade him, I'd rather trade him earlier than later so you can adjust. Not like if you trade him at the trade deadline, the playoffs start the next day. But you don't know how it's going to affect your team. So if that blue line is scrambling for a little bit and he's not triggering the offense and the forwards start going into a slump, you'd rather have that happen in December and January than March and April. Yeah, although I do wonder if they're starting to price themselves out of the market a bit. Uh, just we, We've heard that before with, with the names like, yeah, with like Dylan Larkin. And, that's yeah. where it's been, to be honest. They've been, that, that's been the problem all along. Yes. Mark Armstrong has set the market so high. And, and you, you understand it because he's got... An incredible piece. Yeah. But you you can't really play that game indefinitely because, again, the risk is you lose him for nothing. Yeah, I mean... You, you want to play hardball? Okay, we'll just wait until he becomes a free agent. You could play that game this time last season. Yeah. You can't play it the same way this year. And, yeah. again, I, I worry about that. And every single day this goes on, there are more and more teams that are going to be out of the Shattenkirk sweepstakes just because of where they are in the season and cap situations. It, it gets harder and harder to trade that player for the asset that you want because the teams that are wanting to grab them diminishes by the day. It's going to be really intense if we get to trade deadline day and there's three hours before the deadline and Kevin Shattenkirk is still on St. Louis because then you've lost all leverage in any trade talk. You can't call up Detroit and be like, so now are you ready to give us Dylan Larkin? And they respond with, uh, we will give you Gustav Nyquist's brother that has never played hockey before. I mean, at that point, you have no leverage at all <laughs> if you're St. Louis. And every team knows it. It's not like... It's not like it's a secret to everybody. I'm going to Google to see if like like Nyquist has brothers. Russ Nyquist and Lifetime Supply of Little Caesars. <laughs> All right. 
In the Central Division, this is where Craig ultimately wants to go with this. The Blues are in second place because the Chicago Blackhawks are in first place, and they're on a roll. And as I will point out every time we talk about the Blackhawks, I believe I said this three months ago, they're going to win the Western Conference. Uh And oh, look, they're running away with the Western Conference best record in the regular season, at least. The one thing we didn't anticipate three months ago when you said that was that the entire Western Conference would suck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, with Dallas, I get it. They've been... They've been without oh, yeah. as many as six forwards. Aside from the yeah. issues we all know about with Dallas, they've been without as many as six forwards. Four and we're not talking Allen. about minor guys either. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and Jamie Benn was playing through something earlier in the season. Patrick Sharp's been out. Alex Hemsky has been out. Uh, who's the third one I'm forgetting recently? Uh, yeah. Well, that guy. Sagan. Where are you, Carolyn, when I need you? <laughs> anyway, they've been playing, playing without a lot of players, so that's going to impact them. I don't know why Nashville is not better. I thought they would be, I mean, a lot of us were talking, yeah. you and I were talking about them being a contender to win this division this year. And maybe it's all P.K. Subban's fault. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, Montreal's the winning. Pacific division is not very good. The same teams are rising to the top now, we see, aside from Edmonton, which has really been struggling lately, actually. And faces the Blackhawks tonight in Edmonton. Well, by the way, Connor McDavid, the greatest player in the history of any sport, 10 straight games without a goal, before breaking out of it with a hat trick, because that's how players like that break out of slumps. But still, as again, this is a point I, I went off on two weeks ago. Maybe we pump the brakes, let him become the best player next year or the year after, let yeah. him actually develop. Well, especially since Sidney Crosby has made the decision that he's going to lead the league in goals and there's nothing anybody in the world can do to stop him. Right, he's going to average 1.5 points per game. Yeah, whatever he's on, he just made the decision for right now. He does this every couple of years. Yeah. It looks like a Jeff Carter line from like midway through last season. Funny you should mention Jeff Carter because that is the worst possible segue to Marion Hosa. But that, I think that's where we were going with this. Is that's it? tentatively where I was looking to go with it's that. Amazing yeah, that I, I I knew that, isn't it? Well, I just before you make that segue, the one thing I'll say about the you know, the other teams in the West not being as good as we anticipated. Now it is surprising. Kind of everybody seems a little bit down, like when you look at Minnesota and Dallas and Nashville or whatever, mm-hmm. but. Isn't that part of the Blackhawks' appeal? I mean, that, that went into my thought process back in the summer. Some of these teams are going to drop off. Chicago never does. So you don't know which teams are going to necessarily drop off, but you know Chicago isn't. Now, I'll be honest. I thought Chicago would finish second or third in the Central and then run through three playoff series to get to the Stanley Cup. I didn't expect them to be this good this early because they are working in new pieces. But, and how's this for a segue? A lot of it comes back to a guy named Marion Hosa, Craig. It does. It's it's really a, it's it's all of their star players right now that are carrying the Blackhawks because they're still not getting that secondary scoring from the forwards that we identified as a potential issue this year. They're not getting production from their third and fourth lines. Now, Tyler Mott was out for a little while and he could help them as they go along, but those big guys are doing it, and and none bigger right now than 37 year old Marion Hosa who has. Game-winning goals in his last two games, and they weren't cheapies. No. He earned them. He has been remarkable. I spoke to Eddie Olchek this morning, uh, who obviously does NBC's analysis for, for the NHL, but also does the Blackhawks for Comcast. And one of the things he said about Hosa, it, 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 it's intuitive, right? But when you look back through Marion Hosa's history, even back to those years where he was on the wrong side of the Stanley Cup finalist, losing with, with Detroit or Pittsburgh... If you move forward from that point and look at how many games Marion Hosa has played, he's been in or and around the Stanley Cup Finals an awful lot or deep in the playoffs. The one year that he didn't get very far was 2012. When, oh, oh by happened. the way, Rafi Torres laid him out so he was recovering from a, a massive concussion, so that's not really a rest. Eddie's point is, look, this guy rested for the first time 
and and he really did rest. I mean, he's he's always in supreme physical condition. He he really does take care of his body. But what Eddie said to me is this offseason, and he asked him about it. He actually asked him had a detailed interview about this. Marion just took some time off mentally, just rested the mind and body, took time away from hockey entirely. And then when he comes back, he's he's in a good state of mind. He's always in great physical shape. And he got that jump start with the World Cup of Hockey. And right now, he's I believe he's tied for third in the NHL in goals. Yeah, 11 goals. Six times in the last nine seasons, he's played 19 or more playoff games. Overall, he's played 201 career playoff games. That's unreal. It I mean, is. that's a career for some players to just play 201 career NHL regular season games. He's played... Two and a half seasons of playoff hockey on top of all the other actual hockey. And he, you know, he's, you guys have seen him play. He does, it's not just like he's a finesse player that never gets hit or hits. No, that, and that's the thing. He's, and I, I talked to Radim Bravada and the Coyotes about him who, you know, they're not from the same country anymore ever since the split of Slovakia and the Czech Republic. They were born in the same 1993, country. 1993, by the way. I know. Look at that. Wow. Just because I looked it up two hours ago. Very proud of yourself, Sorry. too. Maybe the most proud you've ever been of but, anything on this show. <laughs> I, I'm... Terrible with dates. Uh, I don't know. So. He, he sung No Canada. I think that was the most yeah, that's true. I wasn't show. proud of that at all, actually. That was a poor performance. I uh, still think about that. You won't be able to do it this year. I wake up at night. Anyway, Marion Hosa, where were we? He's good. <laughs> and he's yes. not getting worse. And there's, oh, there are the elements of his game that, as, as Eddie said, he's going to impact the game whether he's scoring or not. And, and that is so true with a player of this caliber. First of all, when it, as a Blackhawk fan, I watch it pretty much all of their games, he's impossible to knock off the puck when he's carrying it. He's so strong and so big, and he has such range that he can just shield people. But the other side of his game, we've talked about it in the past here, if this guy didn't play wing, he'd be in the conversation for the Selkie Trophy every year. He's a phenomenal defensive player who impacts the game there as well. And none of that has changed. Last season, he was bouncing around quite a bit. They had him on the third line for a while in a checking role, and he can be effective there. He can be really effective as a shutdown guy, but... Now you bump him up to the Artem Anisimov and Artemi Panarin line. He's playing with skill, and he's cashing in. What you were going to say, too, before I'll just blame Jamie for derailing you, even mm-hmm. though it was me. You were talking with Radim Verbata about Marian Hossa. So yeah. obviously that went somewhere for you. because Yeah, well, Verbi was talking about how underrated he is on that side of the puck uh, as a defensive player. Um, it, that, that was Radim Verbata's description of him was the complete player. There are no weaknesses in his game. And I don't know that there's a ton of complete players in the NHL. I know there's players that get more headlines than Marion Hosa, and there's, there's, you could probably find a player that is better at every aspect of the game than Marion Hosa. But when you put them all together, there's just there's not a lot of complete players in this league. Sidney Crosby is one of those, in my opinion. He's a terrific two-way player as well, um, also strong on the puck. Mm-hmm. But when you, yeah, those have always been my favorite kind of players, actually. I, and again, if we want to get really deep in the woods on this, when people describe Wayne Gretzky as the greatest player of all time, I'll, I'll question that because there were some pretty big holes in his game, and he was playing with a guy named Marc Messier, who, in my opinion, was the heart and soul of that team, and, and that was a complete player. A Peter Forsberg, who we just mentioned with Sebastian Orin on the left. The last he got really episode. excited, too. Peter Forsberg, terrific all-around player. Those have always been my favorite players, the, most, the guys who just don't have any holes in their game. Kopitar? Kopitar's near that range, I would say. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put him on the level of Peter Forsberg, but I feel like he's somebody that, that's that sort of player that can do a little bit of everything based on what mm-hmm. you need in a given situation. And obviously, he's won two Stanley Cups as a result. So, All right, are we going to transition over to the Atlantic Division, or do we want to talk about the All-Star game? I don't know. You're hosting. All right. 
Are we still on the air? Oh, yeah, we are. I'm talking to the microphone. Let's let's quickly just mention the All-Star game because they've refined the rules. This is not the most surprising story in the history of sports, but uh, they have made it. So let's say like a minor league player was getting votes from fans to play in the NHL All-Star game. And Hypothetically then, speaking, of yeah, course, right? This would never happen. Yeah. No, but just it's a changing world, like Jamie pointed out. Just imagine a scenario like this. In okay. fact, if you think back to last year's All-Star game, that's when everything started getting crazy in the world, is when John Scott won NHL All-Star MVP. Everything started to go sideways. So yeah, Are you tying the election to that? I'm just tying. It's not even. The Cubs won the World Series. I'm Remember okay that? With, I'm, I'm okay with exploring that, actually. All right. That's a possibility. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So anyway, if you're in the minor leagues, you will not be playing in the NHL All-Star Game. This yeah, year. this is why you shouldn't have fan voting for elections. Oh, excuse me, for All-Star Game. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, excuse me, All-Star Game. Your rant. Uh, Craig's well, already done his. Uh, but yeah, my, my normal rant for this is that I, I get why sports leagues have fans vote, but if you vote for anything on the internet, it's never going to go well. It's just never, never in the history of anything is any online poll where you're just free to type in whomever you want, it has never once gone well. I get the same, I get the argument that, hey, the, the All-Star game is, it's not eye candy. It really isn't. It's, it, it has a lot of problems with it. But I'm also annoyed by the, the attitude that I need to be amused. I need to be entertained. Entertain me. Let's find a way to entertain me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just this selfish, I don't know, it's childish in my opinion. That, that we need to have we need to have fun like this. They open it up and just let us do whatever we want. Make it fun. Have now, mascots just, play. It should still mean something. It should still mean something. It's still the All Star Game. So I'm not on board. I wasn't on board with John Scott being in the All Star Game last year. I never will be. I know it was a great story to write or tell, but it still wasn't right. But it was a great story to tell for people who were already fans of the sport and All Star Games should, at least in a large part, be for those who are either very, very casual fans or maybe checking out your sport for the first time across the league. You're not trying to win over the fans you already have at an All-Star game. You're trying to gain new fans. You're trying to promote. It's basically the giant market on ice, right. on field, people, or on court. People will marketing. say that they did. Oh, look, people paid attention because John Scott was in the All-Star. Well, did, did they stay? But, yeah, but show how, me the numbers on that. I don't believe it for a minute could, that they stayed. It was just could, this bizarre little fascination, this sideshow, this circus that was going on at the NHL All-Star game for, for a week, and but, then it was over. But the only reason that made that significant was John Scott's backstory. There is no way, I don't believe there's, they gained any new fans because of John Scott. There was no way, because the, the, the craziness of it was because, oh, wow, this is a player who never scores, fights a lot of people, has a reputation right. for dirty hits. Oh, and he got in. That's not going to resonate with someone who doesn't know that backstory. Do you remember the John Scott narrative uh, very shortly before that? What the John Scott narrative was for most of his career, who he was, yeah. and the and people's perception of him, including media. Yeah, I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when even when he when he signed with Arizona, everyone's like, "Oh, why?" Yeah, this guy has no place in the game. Was yeah. pretty much the thread then, and suddenly, oh my God, John Scott's so lovable, and well, yeah. That's that. That was the uh, spin on the story at that particular time. Um, but the other stuff doesn't go away. And as as I pointed out at the time that this was all going down, it was pretty telling that not a single coyote went on social media to congratulate him on that. Yeah. And the, so that tells you that was telling. not only what they thought of not having a representative, but maybe a little bit more about who John Scott was while yeah. he was a coyote. Well, when they first brought him in in, in uh, training camp, they were very they. Responses to him being on the team were very canned. 
They were very canned answers. They were very. There was not a lot of personality. Again, I read into it what you will. I, I don't. I don't know for sure, but it's there are a lot of things that are telling. But one of the, this goes back to what the NHL's problem is all along is they they're terrible at marketing their own sport. And I thought to, to non hockey to non to non hockey fans. And I, and I think something was interesting in, in Bill Daly's comments a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you've commented on this, but they said they've made a conscious decision not to market. Crosby versus Ovechkin when they have those matchups, whether they meet in the postseason or they meet in the regular season, because we're the ultimate team sport. Well, that's great, but there's a reason why your ratings aren't comparable to the other three yes. major sports. Can we talk about what works in marketing now? Because people like personalities. And people like elite talents. Yeah. It's weird with you know the John Scott thing. As much as I agree with you guys on a lot of it, the the actual day of the All Star game, the Players in the game embraced it, and the NHL was sort of center stage for that one day. And I do think a lot of the Coyotes were just in a tough spot because I know some of them are really good friends with John Scott, but what are they going to do? Go on and embrace it on social media when they're the only team that didn't have a representative? And they actually had some players that were deserving of going, like yeah. Oliver ekman Larson, who should be permanently there, or Max Domi even, whatever, if you needed a forward. Or Shane Doan, who yeah, led which, the team in goals last year. But yeah, there, there was more to it than that. I, I, I'm not going to say any more, but there was more to it than simple oh, we're not represented. There was more to it. There was, yeah. there was some Part of that was about the teammate he was while he was here. And, and, and also, what I'll say on that. And also to your, both of your point, you know, yeah, maybe people watched that day that didn't normally watch hockey, but then they weren't tuning into Nashville, Carolina three weeks later because they saw John Scott in the All-Star game three weeks earlier. Like, that, that didn't do anything for your sport beyond right. that day. And right. also, this is not pro wrestling. No. Turning, having your organization or league be the heel air quotes of a scenario isn't good for gaining new fans. Well, and I mean the NHL didn't didn't want this at all anyway. They didn't yeah, embrace it until the day. No, of. but like but but once it started to happen, they're actively fighting against it even at the MVP ceremony put them in this bad spot. So not only was this a poorly handled situation from the start, they continued to handle it poorly every step of the process. What's the best way to do it going forward because there there is something to be said for the fans should have a say, but you know, Craig makes a very valid point of you can't just cater to every fan that's just like I'm going to be on my phone for most of the game so can you just have staged goals at 610 of the first period because that's when I'll be watching you want the fans to have some say but ultimately you want it to be hockey I didn't mind the three-on-three format but that was almost lost in the shuffle with everything last year yeah I mean I know baseball has this thing where they have the last guy on the roster vote where they pick five players who just missed the cut and now I know they have fan voting for other for other aspects of it but they, you know I think that would work where there's a few spots open and you have a a set list Multiple of names. Choice. Yeah. I'd like to do a combination yeah. of voting. I mean, I'd like to have the fans have a say. I'd like to have executives have like a say. Players, too. players have a say. And the media have a say. And all of that gets that's wound together, and that's how you decide your all-star. But process. when the fans have a say... But they have a percentage of the say. Well, right? and, and they don't have a write-in. They have like a list of yes. whether it's 100 yes. players or Who's, 10 players. Who deserves to be here? Let's not, yeah, let's, let's not get yeah, way out out of bounds with guys that are going to be playing in this game simply because they'd be amusing or some kind of freak show for, you know, one week. Well, and a lot of people that voted for John Scott didn't anticipate him winning the, the MVP of the All-Star game. They anticipated him looking silly, trying to keep up with the best players in the world in a format that would expose him even that much yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, and that's the point that, that Craig beat home a lot, and it was absolutely valid, was the intention behind this whole thing was poor. Yeah. This was not a let's give this guy who never got a chance his moment. That was not what this was about. This was about embarrassing a professional hockey player that 
for rightfully or wrongly, is not very liked around uh, either the analytics community or online or because of a lot of the hits that he's take, uh, given out over the years. It was a mean-spirited intention from the start. That's how it started, yeah. And then it, changed, it changed into something else, but that, that is how it started. I remember when we were in the old studio doing the show, I just remember at one point Craig sitting in that couch across from us with just this glazed look on his face saying, I don't ever want to talk about John Scott again. And we basically didn't for about 40 weeks, but now here we are. Mm. But she didn't think that was coming today. I'm good. I'm okay right. with it. Throwback Monday. I've moved on. Throwback Monday. I like it. On to the Atlantic Division. So we've, yes. we've done the other three divisions. Uh, I don't believe Jamie got to do any of them, did you? Did you get to do the Pacific? No. All right, well, you're in for a real treat because you get to do the Atlantic today. We're just going to go through. Should we do these in an actual order from, like, top to bottom? Sure. Let's do that. I can start with the Montreal Canadiens. All right. Do, to refresh people's memory, what we're looking at here is, okay, if, if your team is having success, how do they sustain it? If your team is not, how do they fix it? What are, in other words, what are some key issues facing the team? Obviously, with the Canadians, first of all, first and foremost and second and third and fourth and fifth, <laughs> keep Carey Price healthy because the difference when he's in the lineup and when he's out of it is dramatic. Well, yeah, they give up 10 goals when he's not in the lineup. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Al Montoya. Oh. He had yeah, such a good we, we season are, before that. He's poor. He was. He was. He was had really nice numbers before that too. Yeah, and then they like quadrupled. Shared Shelterian hung him out to dry, and didn't care. Well, hey, you know what? No one's ever done that in Montreal history. So, <laughs> again, with Montreal, I, I don't know what they're talking about doing. I don't know if they're going to add, add to their blue line a little more, as has been whispered lately, or if they are going to address, in my opinion, a a greater need, and that is still for. You're not going to find a top-line center, but you need more skill up front, in my opinion. They, they still need more on this team. I know they're scoring a ton of goals right now. I don't think they last. I don't think they're going to sustain this. In terms of scoring or in terms of record? Both, okay. actually. I, I don't think they're on a crazy pace right now. and I don't, I don't think this is going to keep up because I just don't think this team is that good. But Carey Price is that good. Carey Price is ridiculous. So if he stays healthy, I can see this team getting into the playoffs knocking off a team or two. They could be dangerous, and especially playing within this division, they, they, could, they could make it as far as the conference finals. But Absolutely. I, I can't see this team being in the cup finals. I just can't see that happening. You don't feel good about a team where Paul Byron leads the team in goals? Right. It, it, I mean, yes, just look at it. Look not inside of it, and I, I'm not buying it. Carey Price can only do so much. And history is littered, by the way, those goaltenders that stood on their head in the playoffs. But if you look through it, they didn't win the cup. They had a nice run. They, they took out good teams. Right, but they don't, they don't do it for four straight rounds. I will toss this out there because we all agreed this was going to be a talking point when this trade happened, and Craig alluded to it earlier with P.K. Subban in Nashville. and, and how, oh, But he's there, so that must be why they're losing. And look, Shea Weber's in Montreal. That's why they're winning. Shea Weber's having a good year in Montreal. Nobody ever said he wasn't a good player. Um, Although, remember, there's, there's this weird, and I know you, you may have touched on this in the last few weeks, there was this weird narrative that's popped up this year that somehow that Shea Weber wasn't a good player. Well, no, I think it was more that he was I, He's not P.K. Subban, but I mean, there was, some, there was some hard talk in the analytics community of, they were talking about Shea Weber as if he was like a second-pairing guy. Okay, well, that's, well, uh, yeah. that's a little and extreme. I, I, I mean, I thought extreme. there were signs of decline while he was in, in Nashville, and he, maybe he's having one renaissance here. I don't, I don't know how to read this yet. It's way too early. But, yeah to, yeah, to say that he's not a good player is... Well, he's, he's older than P.K. Subban. His contract is worse. That's why people that were against the trade were against yeah. it. And I still think five years down the line, we're yep. going to see that Nashville won this deal. But uh, this is kind of an interesting thing to me. Shea Weber has had great years before. I don't believe he's ever won the Norris, actually, has he? He's been close, but I don't think he's ever actually won it. No, I think he's it's, oh, it's talked about every single year when it comes up and just never 
never happens. So is he going to win it now because he's in Montreal and not in Nashville? When, I, if he puts up just a, if he puts up an identical year to a year four years ago or something, he's he going to get more attention. He has a much better chance than he's had before. So I think it's, it's quite obvious. I mean, we, we've seen this whether it's the NHL awards or the Heisman race. We we've seen players who play in small markets or play particularly out west do not have as good of a chance to win those major awards as others. It's yeah. absurd. I, you know, I, I could see him being a finalist this year. I, I still wonder about the media. So, some elements of the media were so upset last year. You were there at the award show with me. You remember how upset they were that Drew Doughty won this last year instead of Eric Carlson. And then people think saying he got robbed. So there's going to be a strong Eric Carlson push here to win yet another Norris it, Trophy. It was we, such, we don't need to go there it, it, This really is a throwback. I almost brought really that is. up with Sebastian last week, but then I could have seen you two getting in a physical altercation, even though you were 2,500 miles away, because he's a big Eric Carlson fan. But that was absolutely a storyline. Even before mm-hmm. Dowdy won it, if you recall, at the NHL Awards, it was the, are we going to see a traditional defenseman like Drew Dowdy actually win this, or are we going to see a guy who puts up a ton of points like Eric Carlson, or the hybrid like Brent Burns? I, I know the game is different. I know the game is different. It's emphasizing puck possession. The defensive look has changed. Blue liners have changed where it's it's a bunch of guys who can move the puck versus those guys who can defend. But I don't want Eric Carlson being mentioned in the same breath as Nicholas Lidstrom. So I don't want this guy being that winning that many. Nicholas Lidstrom has a ton of them, but Eric Carlson could start stacking them up here pretty quickly. And in my opinion... There's no comparison between those two players. Oh, Lidstrom's one of the best of all time. But you're leaving out the fact that Eric Carlson just proposed to his girlfriend with a pizza. With the worst-looking pizza I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that pizza didn't well, that look DiGiorno, didn't it? Like, poor bad effort. DiGiorno. Yeah. Uh, must have made that in the defensive zone. Uh, but Nicholas Lidstrom has seven Norris trophies, by the that's way. That's surprising. It's only seven. By the way, speaking of the NHL awards, uh, how psyched are you, Luke, for the uh, new Taco Bell Cantina that is now in Las Vegas? <laughs> I'm ecstatic. Maybe this year I'll bring my ID to Vegas. Oh, when I go. see, and you, t- you just stole my thunder. Because <laughs> last year I was, my I was able to eat like a sandwich in the lobby while every other hockey writer went to various places around Vegas afterwards. I, I didn't buy Luke any food either. No. He was really hungry. He, he pointed through the show. window and laughed at me while he was partying, and I was <laughs> yeah. eating like those comp- complimentary crackers they give you at the buffet. All right, we want to move on to Tampa Bay here. There's only 17 teams in this division, so we should probably pick it up. Okay. Yeah, looking look at the Lightning, I think they're they're in a spot where they just, one, have to kind of tread water a little bit on the injury front until uh, I think we're just going to have to start looking at Stamkos and just start budgeting some time year-to-year, fair or unfair, that he's going to miss. Uh, as we've, uh, this is the third time he's missed significant time in the last five years. They've all been bad injuries, well, too. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not his fault, no. but it happens, and you have to be... Uh, cognizant of it, but I think their biggest issue and something they need to fix, even though they're top 10 right now in both uh, scoring and preventing goals and on a per-game basis, they need some secondary scoring on that team now, especially with Stamkos gone. Uh, Kucherov's been phenomenal, but then it really, really starts to drop off after that. Tyler Johnson's been okay, but he hasn't been as impactful as he's been in recent years. Uh, Nemestikov, again, just been okay. Jonathan Drouin, just okay again. I want to see how he plays, especially with Stamkos gone. They really need to, A, get healthy, and B, have somebody else in that lineup score, especially now that they've, they lose their point-per-game center. Are we worried at all about Tampa? Uh, and I guess this question is more for Jamie because Craig and I talked about it a little bit last week when Stamkos, he was rolled out for at least four months right before we started the show. Are we worried about them at all this season with Montreal playing as well as they are? Do we? I'm kind of on the thought that they're going to make the playoffs, Stamkos is going to come back, and they might still win the Stanley Cup. That's kind of how I feel. Remember what I threw out to you last week. This could be like a Patrick Kane situation where – 
Tampa uses it to their cap advantage, and they're able to add pieces at the trade deadline because they get cap relief with him out. And why not do it? I mean, they, yeah. they set the precedent. And, and if, if his timeline is, oh, he'll be back sometime around the end of the regular season, well, yeah, we could sit him out those extra couple games Let for the skate. massive benefit it could have on your roster in the short term and your hopes of winning the Stanley Cup. And on the mental side, I mean, they have won and won playoff games without Stamkos. This is not like, oh, no, what do we do? We've never been in this scenario before. They've actually been in this scenario quite often and quite recently. So They nearly made it last year. I'll, I'll continue to make the case that they were the closest team to beating the Penguins. In fact, they were basically one goal away, and they didn't have Stamkos for all but one game of that series. So yeah, they I, are good I, enough. I would have picked Tampa over San Jose if that was the, the hypothetical scenario that yeah. happened in the, in the Cup final. And we'll see, you know, with, with Vasilevsky playing really well, maybe they, that the onus is on them to move Bishop, and now maybe they can move Bishop for more pieces that can help them right away with that extra cap space that they might be able to have if they put Stamkos on long-term IR. So it opens up a lot for them, but that is a pretty well-rounded team in terms of the way they produce. So again, it, I'm not as worried about them as I would be about some other teams that are very more offensive dependent. Yeah, Montreal has the best record in hockey, and Tampa's only five points behind them in that division. So something to keep an eye on. Those are, I think, pretty clearly the two top teams in this division. Now, we each took a team to kind of start off the conversation with these. We were stunned that Jamie Eisner did not take the Boston Bruins. So I'm assuming you have them, Craig, because I somehow got stuck with all the bad teams. Yeah, we, we did that intentionally. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Jamie did pass on the Boston Bruins. Like, uh, maybe you just have nothing more to add on. No, I, I'm sure he's going to say something. So, well, uh, yeah, you can. I might steal your thunder on this, but first, first and foremost, with Boston, don't go trading Patrice Bergeron. I know you think it might be a good idea to trade a franchise center, or you know, if, if you had a franchise defenseman or a top pairing defenseman, you know, at least a guy with potential, you might think it was a good idea to trade him as well. They like to trade them when they're younger. Just yes, coming get rid into of them before prime. they reach their yeah. potential. The first round picks are great. To be yeah. fair, that was that was Peter Chiarelli. One, yeah. one of one of those cases. Yeah. The other was. The current oh, yeah, they have a, they have a long GM, history. Don Sweeney. Long history. I played against in prep school. He, did you really? Yes. Oh, so there's a long-standing grudge here, and that's yeah. it's coming out. I like he, this. He did score. Do you want to go sit down he on the couch? Score. I won't say how many times. We'll just assume it was ten. <sighs> anyway. At least. <laughs> based on that. But on a more practical terms, Patrice Bergeron always, only has five points this year, yeah. right? So people are going to look at that and say, whoa, Patrice Bergeron... He's not having an impact on the game. Yeah, we just saw him here in person last <laughs> boy, week. Boy, did we see a proof otherwise when he was just schooling the Coyote centers in the face-off circle, when he was phenomenal defensively. This guy's so good. Basically calling his shot, like pointing to his defense, like, I'm going to yeah. set this to you, so you could just wind up right now while, the, while they drop the puck, and I'll have it on your stick. Is there some, such a thing as a cycle for a face-off man where you can put the puck to each one of your teammates? Surprised, you hit all yeah. four, you, you, you hit for the cycle. Like, like playing around the world yeah. or something. I'm surprised think, he didn't shoot from the actual face-off. Watch. And I think that's what separates some of these guys at the elite level. We've talked about Taves with this a bit, too. They don't have to score to have a fundamental impact on every game they're playing in. If they score, that's yes, a bonus. And Patrice Bergeron, in the last few years, has really turned into an upper-level scorer if you look at his season totals. But he is always having an impact of the game, whether or not he scores. So in terms of practical things for the Bruins, I, if they're going to make a move at some point this season, they, you know, they've been getting some nice contributions from their forwards. They're, they're actually playing really well. They're scoring. And, and when you have a guy like David Pasternak filling in that, on that top line and really giving them something... David Backus has actually been a pretty good addition to this lineup as well, so they've got some depth up front, but I, I really, really have a lot of concerns about that blue line. And if, if this team is going to stay in it and have the kind of success that they're having right now, I do think that they need to add a piece on the blue line. You know, that somebody like a, 
Dougie Hamilton yeah, he's got a good, would be a nice addition great Canadian to this roster. Hockey name, yeah. 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 I wonder if Calgary, where did Calgary get him from? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. This, now we're getting down to the portion of the division where I was given teams to look at. So the Ottawa Senators, and actually it was funny, uh, we, were, we had seven teams assigned today, and then Craig and I were like, we're forgetting a team. Which team are we forgetting in the Atlantic? Oh, yeah, that one. And then we realized it was the team that often gets forgotten in the Atlantic. But Ottawa's right now uh, 10-7-1 as we record this. They don't score any goals. No. Theirs is pretty simple in terms of what they need to uh, improve. They are 29th in the NHL in goals per game, 2.06 goals per game. Why, why isn't Eric Carlson driving more offense for this team? <laughs> I love all the personal grudges that come out on this show. Uh, the leading scorer on this team, total points, is Eric Carlson with 14. There you go. But uh, Selfish. Nobody, <laughs> nobody other than Kyle Turris has goals. He has eight. Not goals like in their life. Like, I'm sure they all have life goals, but actual goals on the score sheet. Kyle Zuras has eight. Uh, Ryan Zingle has five. Ooh. Nobody else has more than three. Ooh. You just made that name up. I did. It just, I wanted to throw some letters together. It was like I was playing words with something with a Z. Yeah. Uh, and they're not really shooting either. Well, that, I mean, and that's I, a reason I mean, why you, you don't you, score sometimes. Because, you, you know, you, again, it's a little too sim- simplistic, but if you just take a quick look at their stat sheet, you look at their shooting percentages of the guys that are underperforming, it's not like they're shooting three or four percent. No, and Turris is shooting 21%, so go ahead and assume that's not going to keep up over 82 games. Somebody else will need to score here at some point. But, but who? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, we, we say that, yeah, we expect I'm, more out of Stone and Hoffman based on their recent performances, but... Is it, their shooting percentage down? At, uh, Ottawa is actually fifth in the NHL in shots per game right now at 31.7. That's interesting. Really? But they're not scoring. Uh, so I mean, Bobby Ryan... Remember how good he was with Anaheim, and he just has never been the same since he got to Ottawa. I know he's been hurt a little bit lately, but that, I mean, if you're just looking at this team and saying who could score more goals, who's capable of doing more than they're doing, he has three goals in 17 games. There was a time where he was putting up 30 plus in a season. So I'm going to move my microphone so this could go badly. This is like just warning listeners. Axel Rose and cover your ears right now in case something catastrophic happens. You're also doing like that snake dance too. It's very strange. You could just just talk into the mic. So I don't even know what to say to that. I think we're we're done with Ottawa, correct? This is not a Ooh. team that's going to. That's really your decision. <laughs> I mean, it's your team. Yeah, we're done. You're and the one who wanted to talk about no, it. That's like, incorrect. When, when people like in NHL 17 want to create their own franchise, whether it's Las Vegas or Quebec or whatever, is Ottawa the team they have to just take out? Should <laughs> have to take out one of the teams since the game can't handle the un- unbalanced league. So just take out the Ottawa Senators so nobody misses them. I'm guessing a lot of uh, hockey fans north of the border take out other teams, but we'll, we'll see. Anyway, Ottawa, you know what? Ottawa doesn't seem to have a lot of fans up there either because they're all Toronto fans and they all hate Ottawa. It's very strange. But the bottom line is the Senators need more offense. And I can't see them hanging around in fourth in this division if they can't score goals. Now the team in fifth that is actually now tied with them in points, they've played one more game. The Florida Panthers, honestly, I think with the Panthers, they just need to get healthy. We all pretty much expect this team, or at least expected this team to make the playoffs. They got off to a pretty slow start. It's weird that Alexander Barkov only has two goals, and it's understandable that their offense is down without Jonathan Huberto playing a single game yet this year, but they need to be better than this. Yeah, it's, it's a bad year to be a sports team named the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I that's guess that's Jamie's true. contribution. Yeah. That's, that's, feels that's like more walk- than I expected. It really feels like a walk-off to me. I, mean, I, know, I should Florida say Panthers. that. I should let you go first. How many people are paying attention, anyways? The Florida Panthers. So I'm kind of. They were a fun like team a last year. Yeah, you don't want to walk off. But y- Yandel scored his first goal the other night. Yeah, see, I mean, how does that happen? And Jonathan Marchessault leads the team with nine goals. 
Because, of course. I think that's a good team, but they're yeah, not they looking like it right now. And they were a fun team last year. Thank they you were very a fun much. Team. Aaron Ekblad, fun to watch. Alexander Barkov got stopped by, I think it was Carey Price the other night. Did you guys see the shot working left to right, and he just pulled the stick between his legs and flipped it up in the air? It was just a great save, so it ended up not being anything. But, I mean, that is a high-skill player that doesn't get a lot of hype simply because he plays uh, in Florida. Is Yarmir Yager done? Done doing what? I'm just writing him off now. Not going to make it to 50. Two goals, 4.4% shooting percentage. Yeah, I mean, that's going to come up. It's got to come up, right? Yeah, so he'll finish it's this. It's got to come up. What's the over-under? If, what, what, if I set the shoot, over... shoot his age? No, no, if I set the over-under at 19.5 goals for Yager this season, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under. Are yeah, you? I'll take the under. Really? Where, where would I have to put it before you take the over? Like 14.5? Yeah. yeah, I think he's in like that 15, 14 to 16 or 17 yeah, range, maybe. that sounds right maybe. to me. Is he so one of, he plays. Right, right now he's not having any puck looks. So. Is he one of those guys that still has a uh, positive impact even if he's not scoring? Or are we at the point in his career where he's something beyond a veteran? I would, I mean, are we talking about on the yeah, ice? On the ice or off the ice? On the ice, off probably the ice. not. No, no, off, off the, the ice, ice say, absolutely. Okay. And I do like the fact that he calls me his Colombian friend. That's what Yager calls you? He thinks I'm Colombian. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know, but you don't correct him. I don't remember carrying a bag of cocaine through the Gila River Arena, <laughs> but he called me his Colombian friend. You are definitely, that's your name on this show now. How did I not uh, know that? Colombian Craig Morgan. Yeah. Colombian Craig. I don't know. Is he right. Colombian? I don't even know what a Colombian looks like. This, you're going on your Goodfellas rant again. Yeah. Well, how do I make you laugh? Do I look like a clown? Do I amuse you? <laughs> All right. Hey, look, I got the next team, too. All right. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey! Uh, Toronto has actually, I think, been a pleasant surprise this year. I mean, we knew they were going to be fun to watch. Mitch Marner is a beast. He is, he is everything as good as he was in junior hockey, everything better than advertised, I would say, just simply because he's doing it uh, quicker maybe than expected. But if you're looking at an area where they have to improve, they give up nearly 34 shots per game. Oh, that. This was an area of concern last year. I think it was actually worse last year. I'll look that up in a second. But... Uh, yeah, that's second worst in the NHL. It's the worst in the Eastern Conference. Ironically, the team in third, third worst, is the Penguins, which that was not their issue last year, so we'll see. But Toronto's, uh, they're in a lot of, well, I shouldn't say they're in a lot of these games. They either seem to win 5-1 or lose 5-1. <laughs> but, um, but they're in the thick of the, the race right now in the Atlantic Division, which the longer you can hang around there, the better it is for your team two, three years down the line. They're not going to make the playoffs, but... And they're, they're playing well. <laughs> This is this amuses me. According to NHL.com, what well, what actually they just that's that was weird. I just had something literally update in front of me. Is that possible that that just oh, it's happened? possible if it really? Yeah, they listen to the show live, so okay, they probably so didn't want you. They, to, they know what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Remember, we, do, you, we, do you think the Coyotes fans have prospect envy when they look at the Maple Leafs and see what Nylander's doing, see what Marner's doing, and obviously they have Austin Matthews who not, was, not with Connor Garland in the system. Oh boy! Wow. The, um, wow, shots fired. Well, I think a lot of teams have prospect envy when they look at the Maple Leafs. I think oh, the, I thought you were going to say when they look at Connor Garland. No. The, I, think, I think a lot of, uh, when, when you have, I think the Coyotes and the Jets are probably two teams that are like, okay, well, we've got our own prospects. I think the other 25 to 27 teams are like, wait a minute, how did they get all of them? At least from an offensive standpoint, they're yeah. delivering. Their prospects are delivering. Well, they got the first pick in the draft when there was a, well, a generational that, talent. I mean, Martyr and Nylander are both yeah, lighting it up right now. Well, okay, but Marner was the fourth Austin pick. Austin Matthews has not been their best rookie. No, but he... I he fell off. I mean, he has one of those impact goal debut, his, yeah. his point per game I mean, thing he's taking a lot of shots. Wow, it's he's, good, but he's, he's not been their okay, best rookie. But, yeah. 
I don't think that's a shock that he hasn't been their best rookie. Nylander had already played 22 NHL games before this year, and Marner is Marner is the pure skill guy of that group. That That's nothing new. It's just how quickly he's translated that into the NHL. I didn't anticipate how patient Marner would be with the puck on his stick. He, he, I mean, he holds that puck, for, on the offensive zone in particular, like he's a five- or six-year veteran. He is just he is not afraid. I mean, I know it's cliché, the moment's not too big for it's him. It's actually an but, M&M song. But... <laughs> But he's not, I mean, when he has the puck in the offensive zone, he is not afraid to wait and wait and wait where some guys panic and, well, if the first option isn't open right away, I'm, I, I don't know what to do with it. He doesn't do that, and he's having a lot of success. I remember the comparisons to Patrick Kane that came out a lot when he was drafted. I'm not saying he is Patrick Kane, but you can see some similarities just in terms of he, his game is so so far less evolved, obviously, than Kane. Kane's won cups. He's been in this league. But there there is some raw raw talent similarities, and... All the highlights I'm thinking of, I can't remember any of the goalies, so maybe I just don't see goalies when when I watch a game. Sorry, Craig, not to offend the goalie guild, but um, Mitch Marner's goal the other night when he was on a basically on a partial break. Can you note the time (laughs) podcast? Okay, I wonder. Maybe it's against Florida. Sixtieth and final episode of the Natural Hydric podcast. (laughs) Florida. The the goal. The goal that Mitch Marner scored the other night was beautiful. It doesn't matter who the goalie was. It was ridiculous. And people that saw it know what I'm talking about, and they're silently applauding right now. Uh, okay. Mike Babcock, Coach of the Year. Oh, boy. Well, didn't he win last year? Oh, wait. Oh, no, wait, he, he did. So, so you're saying it's, it's pretty much magic watching him play. Marner? Yeah. Magic I'm, Marner. I'm enjoying watching magic Mitch Marner, Marner play. Magic, Marner, magic. <gasps> magic man. And that brings us to the Detroit Red Wings. Wow. What are they wow. missing? What are they missing? Pavel Datsuk. They're missing magic. Talent? They really are. They have 10 guys. Talents. What a jerk. <laughs> oh. Okay. I, uh... This is why we didn't oh, let's take Detroit. a moment here. Let's take a moment to restate the rules of engagement here, okay? All right, sorry. Okay. Civil discourse. That's where we start. Unless your name's We're all Jamie here, and okay? you're offending an this entire city. Place. This okay. is our safe place, okay? All right. There is a reason Jamie's on the other side of the studio, though. <laughs> Detroit has 10... <laughs> wow. If they wheel him in Excuse with one me. of those gold goalie masks on over his water or something after that. Yeah, when their team leader in points is like 41 at the end of the season. They have 10 guys with three or more goals, but it's from three it's to from five. five. Dylan Larkin has five. They don't have that star part. They don't have that one, those one or two guys that you can count on when other guys are in a slump. Now, maybe you could say, well, they got all these guys that are scoring, but... They're, they're not scoring that much. They have three that goals see, or four goals. Right, that, that was the trick the Coyotes tried like four years ago where right. they said, oh, yeah, look at all the, the guys. We have 15 guys in our team with 10 goals. Well, it's congratulations, and none of them had 20. Right. So yeah. You have 163 goals. It doesn't work. Mathematician Craig Morgan. When they were sitting like seven points out of a playoff defense. spot. You know that Mike Smith empty netter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and you yeah. figure Oliver probably had about 20 himself. But, but I mean, yeah. I remember that trick with the coach with like seven points out of the playoff spot. Well, well Rob Klinkhammer's got 10 goals and 12 points this season. So. I, wow, Klinkhammer reference. <sighs> Klink. And he hated that too. You know yeah. what they could he do? that reference. If they were Detroit. They could trade Dylan Larkin for Kevin Shattenkirk. Oh, that would help. I hear that's on the table. That would help. Thomas no. Vanek's your best player right now, and let's just let that sink sink in. I feel every time Thomas Vanek scores a goal, and it's been a while actually since he has. He started off great. Well, I've hurt for a bit, but yeah, I feel yeah, he's like, only played eight games. I feel like he's got eight points. He's a point per game player. Jamie, yes. yeah, he's, he's achieving his potential now. I feel like Jamie is physically pained every time Vanek scores a goal because a it's Vanek and b it's Detroit. Well, you and, wonder how he even gets up the ice to the net. 
He's so slow. He's so incredibly slow. It's it's remarkable that he's still in the NHL at that speed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anything else on Detroit? Are they going to uh, make the playoffs? No, it's just, no. It they're not going to make the playoffs. They are yeah. not making the playoffs. They're already dropping in this division. What, they're 2-7-1 in their last 10. They are a point ahead Buffalo for the basement in this division right now. Are they going to get Nolan Patrick? <laughs> Miss the playoffs once every quarter century and get the number one right. pick. Right, and, and a guy who's not tabbed as a, a number one center, suddenly he goes to Detroit and he'll turn he'll out be to be a number one the next Henrik Zetterberg. Yeah. Yeah. Missing the playoffs would actually, I think, be very beneficial. I, I do too. There's no, I mean, they I, need I know an the infusion nice. of real talent. I know you're trying to go into a new stadium, but like. Zetterberg's not going to be around much longer. Franz Nielsen is a, a nice player, but also like a stop. They need some real talent yeah. on this team. They and, need an infusion. And getting that pressure of that streak over with when you're yeah. trying to rebuild, I think will be the best for them. Yeah. Are they trying to patch it together? Are they going to be the team that trades prospects for a, a veteran right at the deadline just so they can sneak into the eighth seed in the East and then go out in four games in the first round? No, that'll be Vancouver when they're 10 points out of the playoffs and trying to make a playoff push. <laughs> I think we're going to be 10 points out by the Detroit deadline. It's optimistic. Wow. Wow. Um, the, the last thing with Detroit, three points. Detroit. Three points. Ahead. How do you say it? Detroit? I do when I'm Detroit. really trying to, trying to make a point. Know, sorry. French accent. Going across the uh, border. The uh, Red Wings. Is that better for you? Red Wings. They are three points ahead of last in the NHL, and they've played two more games than both those teams. Uh-oh. So we laugh now, but it's not inconceivable that they do end up with a top three They're making a run? this year. For Nolan Patrick. Not on purpose. Who's in the, we can do that. We should come up with that at some point. Maybe that can be our Lipinski list today. Next what, week. what are the teams in the hunt for Nolan Patrick who doesn't feel anything like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? But The Oilers but, could miss the playoffs by one point and win the lottery. It's still possible. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So we should always have them in the running yeah. for the top Definitely pick. Definitely top three. Their, their track record is really good. One of these years. Here's the team. Yeah, one of these years the Oilers will finally catch a break. Here's a team, the uh, Buffalo Sabres. They are, they are a team. A, a team that's in the running, actually, I think, for that spot, at least until Jack They don't Jack need a center, though, back. do they? No, they don't. But they, got two, they got a one-two combo that's really good. They're not going to turn that down if they win the lottery. I mean, they have 16 points this year. I'm just saying at this, at this juncture of the season. Now you turn around and trade Ryan O'Reilly? Is that what you're thinking? I almost said something that I shouldn't have said. So, okay. No, go ahead. Well, you've him, you've already Ryan done that with Jamie. So with Tim Hortons. No, I so, just, uh, okay. it was worse. J- Jamie can handle it. Worse. No, I was. No, okay. it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as that. I just okay. was gonna. All right. Uh, no, Buffalo has pieces, but it is worth noting they are two points ahead of the two teams in last, and they've played more games than both the two teams behind them as well. They're gonna get Jack Eichel back. Yes. This is simple. They need to score just ever. Last in goals per game under two. Worse than Ottawa. They they, they just cannot score. At all. Their, their defense and goaltending has actually not been that bad. 33 goals, gentlemen. They're averaging less than two goals a game. Yeah. Ooh, Dead last absurd. in the NHL. It's, it's, they have to have some offense. They have a ways to go to even catch second to worst. But, they, I mean, they are bad, bad, bad offensively right now. Eichel will help, but he's not, not that McDavid, much. And he's, he's not going to come in and, and score 50 points for the rest of the season. Like, it's... I don't know. With, with two, this is a, you don't usually see bad teams with two solid options down the middle. Well, one of them's out, though, again. That's so true. What, how different would they look? If they're sitting even you know four or five points higher because Eichel's in the lineup, we'd have an entirely different view of them, right? Well, but, I mean, not scoring is not scoring. It's not like he's going to come in and raise that goals per game by a point. No, but it could, could they have two more wins with him in the uh, lineup? Yeah. Okay, then you Maybe, could be at 20 yeah. points, and you're not nearly as concerned with their position at this point. Who isn't scoring? Let's let's just start Everybody. alienating Everyone. some players. Well, but I mean, Oposo has ten points. 
maybe not as many goals as you were hoping, but he's on pace. He's been for, the best of the bunch. Yeah. But and and I think he, he's starting to kill the narrative that I thought was always stupid that he couldn't play with anybody but John Tavares. Yeah, that was moronic, and I, it feels like that was coming from the Islanders in retrospect. Speaking which, of ex-Islanders, Matt Molson. Speaking of teams Six in goals. the running for Nolan Patrick, the New York Islanders. Ah, yes. Second line right behind John Tavares. So Islanders, Detroit, Buffalo in the East, probably. Um, I think Carolina will be, end up being too good at the yeah. end. Um, maybe Colorado. Gosh, what? They're, they're, well. I can't make heads or tails of anybody in the I West can't. right now. But it's been the Pacific Division. The, the Coyotes in Vancouver are going to be in that yeah. running, and Calgary better get it figured out here soon because they're, they're just not a very good team right well, now. Good thing they didn't sign any goalies in the offseason, so. No, they signed their backup in the offseason. He doesn't even play anymore. It's Chad Johnson every night. And they are winning games by scoring two goals every night. So maybe Calgary is figuring it out. But Brian Elliott, ugh, what happened there? I don't know. I don't know. He's not their number one goalie anymore, correct? No. 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 He's, he's going to start tonight, though. But, yeah, no, he's clearly not their number one. I was one. never a giant believer in Brian Elliott. I always thought he was a product of the system St. Louis played. But when you watched him last year in the playoffs, maybe it was just a – he just got hot at the right time. But I thought he was the biggest reason they beat the Blackhawks. Yeah, first round of the playoffs. So uh, maybe he just maybe he got overbilled because of that. Well, he's playing Buffalo tonight too. So this is his chance. Like we've just brought this all full circle. They've giving him a stoppable force versus the movable object. <laughs> stoppable force. This is called putting a player in a position to succeed. Look, Buffalo's not going to score regardless of what you do in there. So we're hoping you can build some confidence off that. This, this, I'm sorry, did I state that the wrong way? This game's three nothing. I meant after one, right? Yeah, Chad yeah, Johnson's not a coming in. Not, yeah. That's, uh, all right. We have anything else here we want to touch on before we wrap up the show? I think we could uh, quickly touch on uh, the update on Quick Cunningham okay. for yeah, Cavs yeah. fans that are listening. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were there. I'll leave it to two people that were there and talk to Tippett today. So, Craig, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Tippett's exact wording, and John Chaika spoke about it as well, critical but stable condition. Yeah. And that's, Th- and that's pretty much it. Well, that's great yeah. news, to be honest. When Comparatively. I'll be honest. You, you, know, you, you, you don't know. You never, obviously, you don't know if they don't give you the information, and, and you understand why they don't release that sort of information. If, if the family requests privacy, that's all that matters. No other concerns yeah, matter. The hockey doesn't point. matter. At that yeah, point. no, and, and the media and fans, none of that matters. If the family wants privacy, you abide by it, and that, that's golden. But my experience, and I'm sure yours in this business, has been that when a player ends up in the hospital, you know, and, and he's lying on the ice, apparently unconscious, we usually get sort of some sort of update on his condition, saying whether it's critical or serious or stable, whatever, whatever the terms are. We didn't get any of that out of Saturday night, and so it was, it was really worrisome for a while, wondering whether Craig Cunningham was going to be okay. So it is, is, it's fantastic to hear that at least he's, he's with us still. To let's, at least let's just hear, put it bluntly, yeah, he's, he's yeah. with us, he's alive. That's good news, not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but he's with us right now. Yeah, it, it feels weird to say stable was was really good news to hear today, but all things considered, that that was. Good news, yeah. and uh, you know his his story getting to the NHL. I don't know how many people know it, but it's you know he had quite the path just to get to the NHL. He's one of those guys that he's, he's playing in the AHL right now. He's the captain of that team. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that everybody that's ever played with him, and you can kind of see that come out this weekend. It was it wasn't just current players, it, it, current yeah. teammates. It's guys. Tyler Sagan was tweeting about it. Anybody that played with Leon him, Leon Lucic, yeah. Guys, some big name players that that you wouldn't even think would have that much of a connection with them, really respect and and really care about this guy. So, you know, 
there's nothing good that came out of this weekend, but that was interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, the national out, outpouring of support for him from all corners of the hockey world, whether it's current players, former players, analysts, I mean, yeah. pretty much anyone who ever had any contact with Craig Cunningham had just glowing things to say about him as a person, first and foremost, and also as a hockey player and, and a teammate. So, again, it, it's real tough to, uh, you know, it's a tough situation to be in. And, to, I mean, it's the hardest thing to watch in sports. And we've, unfortunately, in the hockey world, I've seen whether it was Rich Peverly. Um, or, or others have seen that incident happen fairly recently. I mean, that was a few years back, and uh, another ex-Bruin uh, that happened to. But uh, it, it's as good news as you could possibly hope for today that it, he's in stable condition. Because like as Craig said, as, as things were developing on Thursday night, we were very unsure what was going on. Yeah, and, and Tip and uh, John Chaika, the Coyotes general manager, both mentioned this today. But shout-out to the medical staffs, right, both, both the team personnel and then whoever arrived on the scene to get him to the hospital. And you, it just makes you appreciate how important that is. A lot of times you won't need it. A lot of times you'll need more basic coverage, whether it's you know a few stitches to close a gash on the eyebrow or whatever NHL players deal with on a regular basis. But Matt in the, 30 stitches. Yeah, stage. but in this instance, you can't underscore the importance of these guys being able to react immediately because it, it's, not, it's not hours, it's not minutes, sometimes it's seconds that matter in these instances. I thought they handled it really about as well as you possibly could. I thought Tippett and Chaika handled it very well today, giving you know as much of an update as you really can. Just because people are worried, but like you said, you've got to you've got to maintain his privacy because really what what we we are concerned about doesn't necessarily matter nearly as much as what his family is concerned about. But at the same time, people are concerned, just genuine concern for him as a person. And obviously, the AHL handled it well by just canceling that game that night. There's no point in. <laughs> it feels like right. just an obvious solution, but you're just happy they did. Uh, the right thing. And the Coyotes, you lose Brad Richardson not to the same sort of caliber of injury, but a scary injury two nights before. I mean, they've had a rough couple days. So. Yeah, really emotional for them. But And I know people are wondering the uh, the state of the injury, but the Coyotes aren't going to release that. And you have to understand that's, no. that's the family's wish, that that doesn't come out. So you just leave it at that. And again, you hope for the best for Craig Cunningham and his family. So... Uh, not really anything to transition to after that, which is intentional that we put that at the end of the show. But um, that's it for episode 60 for Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan. We will be back uh, next week. I'm Luke Lipinski with episode 61 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Everybody have a uh, happy Thanksgiving as well. Hopefully you're all listening to this show around the dinner table with your family because that's what it was intended for. We will <laughs> talk to you next week on the Natural Hattrick Podcast.